came over and, and our, the few that we had were able to, to participate yesterday in our cleanup. We're going to have to have another one where we kind of get some, some new, uh, what do they call that, bark, mulch, all that kind of put on some, some everywhere. And uh, no comment. So we, we have to, um, we got a couple other things, but we got some, a lot of good gravel and stuff cleaned up off the grass, which is really helpful and so, so good. But also look at a couple of, uh, we, we've postponed or we've got a new date for the, the clothing giveaway, which is going to be up on the 19th. So if you're able to help, and, and I know that some of you already signed up on the original list, so, um, but um, that may, plans may have changed because of the new date. So if you could take care of that and make sure that you, uh, let those uh, know that what what is happening. But take a look at some of the others. Did I miss something for announcements, other than announcements there? Some of the things that were going on. At, uh, um, oh, yeah. We've got a plan that Mother's Day breakfast here, and that will be coming up here on Saturday. Um, no. That's not right. It's going to be on Sunday. It's going to be on Sunday, right? Yep. So it says Saturday on the, in your bulletin, so make a note that it's not right. It's going to be Sunday here at 9 o'clock in, in during our Sunday school time, and um, the guys are going to be cooking some things. So we need some, I need some help from some guys because, yeah. Should we go on strike? Is that what we should do, Joel? Of course, you probably don't want to say that here. We'll wait until afterwards you can tell me. Yeah, well, we can always go and cook some steaks anyway, right? No. <laughs> anyway, I shouldn't talk like that because I might get myself in trouble. So anyway, that's coming up, Mother's Day breakfast. That is Sunday. Make a, make a record of that, please, in your bulletin and stuff. So anyway, we have been looking at, um, we've been in God's story, and we've kind of come a long way. We kind of, uh, you know, Today I want to, we're going to be in the in the book of Deuteronomy, and this is such an incredible book. And 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 I really think that the theme of this book is this second chances. It's a, it's a great book, but second chances. Think about that. You and I have all enjoyed having second chances. Now in the old days, when a preacher would get up to preach, one of the things that they would typically do is they would stand up here and they would give you a history lesson, and then eventually at some point they would get around to telling you why they were telling you all of that stuff. Um, so one of the things I want to do this morning, um, I hope it's going to go over well. I think this is really awesome. I think this is really going to be helpful for you guys. I really think it will be. But we're going to kind of revert to the old days. And we're going to start with a history lesson. And then eventually I'm going to get around to telling you why I'm telling you all the stuff I'm going to tell you, okay? But as I said, we find ourselves in the midst of this story. This is God's story. And we've been talking about this the past several weeks. And we started right in the book of Genesis. And and, and we started there with creation, that, that creative account, and, and we've worked our way through that, and all of a sudden we, we got to the point, just right off the bat, we got to that point where we saw the fall of man. We have seen in the process of all this, we've seen the, the patriarchs, we've seen Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and we've seen Israel then take this trip down into Egypt, and, and, and there they, they, they stayed there for 430 years until it came time for God to bring them up out of Egypt. And then we watched Moses lead them out um, out of Egypt and, and, and across the Red Sea and, and into what, what, what was supposed to have become a very short journey. Say short. short. 
It was supposed to be a short journey into the promised land on the other side of the Jordan River. We even visited the other end of the story, if you remember. Easter kind of presents some challenges for you every year. If you're in the middle of a series like this, okay, how do I fit Easter in? So what we do is we kind of popped ahead and kind of give you a sneak preview of the other end of the story, right? And uh, that was where we saw the, the Messiah. He came, he came, he entered our world under the, under the, the banner, uh, under David's banner as king. And, and, and we're actually going to get to the other end uh, eventually where we rejoin God. Remember, it started out in a, oh, started out, I got to, started out in a what? What was the place? Adam and Eve lived there. Garden of Eden. And we're going to end up in the garden at the end. The Bible does that. It has that. Today, however, we find ourselves midway through that opening part of the story, standing on the banks of the Jordan River. So picture yourself standing on the banks of this Jordan River. We're, we are where we should have been 40 years ago. If you look at Deuteronomy chapter 1, the first chapter opens up with this comment. Open your Bibles to that or, or check it out on the screen. Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 1, this is what it says. These are the words Moses spoke to all Israel in the desert east of the Jordan. That is in the Arabah, opposite, opposite Suf, between Paran and Tophel, Laban, Hazroth, and Dizahab. It takes, you reading that? 11 days to go from Horeb, Mount Horeb, to Kadesh Barnea by the Mount Seir Road in the 40th year, verse number 3. Now, you ought to take, and just, just break for a moment here, you ought to stop now all of a sudden long enough to just ask that question, what in the world just happened? It takes 11 days in the 40th year. 11 days to make the journey, and they are in their 40th year in the wilderness. So, so I, I wanna, what I want to do is I want to just kind of back up a little bit. I want to try to see if we can somehow come to the, you know, answer that question about what in the world we're doing here on the banks of the Jordan River 40 years after we should have gotten here in the first place. So we'll go up. I want to back up just to, to the book of Numbers. You can kind of take uh, a look at that. Numbers, by the way, is uh, some of you may remember the first five books of the Bible are called the Torah or the Pentateuch. Uh, the first five books are the books of Moses, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And Numbers is in the midst of that. Numbers is actually a continuation of Leviticus. Leviticus is all those Levitical laws or the priestly laws. It continues to kind of unfold the law for you and I, the law, or how the law was supposed to be lived out in the lives of people. It is named after the fact that they numbered the people by tribe. And you get into a variety of kinds of stories that unfold you know, about God's care of Israel, and you actually have them taking this rather brief journey up to the banks of the Jordan River where they should have crossed over into the Promised Land. So we, and then we come to chapter 13. That's where we're at. Uh, we'll, we'll just read a couple of three verses here and there. We're just going to kind of land down and pop in and, 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 and just in the next couple of chapters, chapters 13 and 14. But look at chapter 13. Look at verse number 1. The Lord said to Moses, Send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites, from east, each 
ancestral tribe send one of its leaders. So 12 men, right? One from each, one representing each tribe of Israel. They're crossing over on, from, uh, over the Jordan, heading into this land of Canaan, checking out the places, kind of this secret mission, this clandestine mission, to scope out the land that God is about to give them. And so then just drop down a couple of verses to verse number 25 of that chapter, chapter uh, 13. And this is when they come back. And these spies go in, they check out the land, and then they come back and they give a report. Chapter, verse number 25. At the end of 40 days, how many days? 40. 40. They returned from exploring the land. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. Now they came in, and you'll see a picture here, carrying a grape cluster. I don't know if that's, that's a big cluster. And I, immediately one of the things that I thought about is, you know, some of those old movies, you know, old frontier movies with, with a couple guys carrying a carcass of a deer, you know, and, and, and that's kind of what I thought of when I saw those grapes, right? Um, I, I saw some other ones on the internet. I mean, they had actually bigger things, but I, 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 that's huge. And that's, but this is a huge cluster of grapes. They're coming back and they're saying, this is the fruit of the land. This is the kind of fruit that this land bears. Look at verse 27. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here's the fruit. But, I mean, you always know now, you always know when there's one of those in the text that, it's some, that, some, that something else is going to happen, right? But the people who live there are powerful, and cities are fortified, and they're very large. We, can, we even saw the descendants of Anak there. These, these giants are, are there. So then I want to go to chapter 14. Look at verse number 1. That night all the people of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All of the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, If, if only we had died in Egypt or in this desert, why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plundered. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. A couple of you guys are going, man, this is, what is wrong? That land, it just frightened them. I mean, it was more imposing than they could possibly imagine. And somehow, somehow that image of the exodus or, or the demonstration of God's power, His mighty hand uh, in, in the parting of the Red Sea, or, or for crying out loud, that series of ten plagues, you know, where, where, where God matched step for step and defeated step for step the gods of Egypt, somehow those, those images did not convince them that God could carry them into the land. And so they want a, they want a new leader. No, we don't like Moses. He's, he's taken, places, taken us places we don't want to go. We'll just get somebody else. But I want you to hear God's response in verse number 34 of chapter 14. For 40 years, 
One year for each of the 40 days you explored the land, you will suffer for your sins and know what it is like to have me against you. I mean, if you think that the Anakites are, are tough, if you think that the gods of, of Canaan are bad, try standing up against the God of Israel. The other nations, by the way, they all got this. Do you remember what the reports were when they, when they eventually come into the land? What the reports were? All of the nations, Jericho and Ai and all those places, they were scattering. They had heard the stories of how God had carried them away. They were afraid. Here they're not. But one year for every day that the 12 spies were in the land, they're going to spend that year in the wilderness, in the desert. That entire generation is going to die because of their unfaithfulness to God. And as we, we find out, only two of the 12 spies, a fellow by the name of Joshua, another one by Caleb. Actually, Joshua is going to take over for Moses. Of the two that wanted, they're, they're of the two, um, um, Joshua and Caleb, that um, um, of those that wanted to go in the land, are, they're, going to, they're the only two that are going to be allowed to cross the Jordan into the Promised Land. That entire generation is going to perish in that 40-year period. Only their children are going to have the opportunity to cross over into the Promised Land. And yet, here we are back in Deuteronomy. We're standing on the banks of the Jordan, and, and rather than dismissing this, the, the entire nation, rather than just starting over, which is one of the things that God actually threatened them to do, or He, he threatened to do that at one point, but we're here, and we're ready to take that step. We're ready to go across the Jordan. It's, it's second chances. And, and by the way, there's a word for that in the Bible when God gives us second chances. I've already said it once today, and some of you have probably already said it too a couple times a day, but it's the word grace. When we're allowed to start over, even though we've blown it, even though we've failed. Well, I just want to do, I, I just want to do a brief history lesson of the book of Deuteronomy. We really don't have enough time. I, I want us to be familiar but, with this book. We really don't have enough time to, to spend uh, you know, in any one chapter. And so I'm going to kind of give you this, this, this overview. And I'm hoping, one of the things I would encourage you to do is just go home and, and spend some time reading this specific book. Just start with chapter 1 and just kind of read it through. I think that today will help you to kind of really get a, get a hold of this incredible, incredible, incredible book. Um, but it's such an important book that we, we want to have a feel for what's going on in the story of Deuteronomy. It's really kind of a hinge of, to, to really understanding the rest of Israel's history. But, by the way, it's called Deuteronomy because it's the second giving of the law. That's really what the, the, the word literally means. It's basically a series of sermons that Moses preached explaining how the law works. Um, and, and they're really fantastic sermons. Uh, in, especially in light of the fact of that, that this is now just this new generation of people that is facing this new challenge. They're no longer in the wilderness. They're now ready to go into the promised land under new leadership, the person of Joshua, uh, because Moses isn't going to go. It's, it's, it's going to be Joshua who leads them across the Jordan, facing the new temptations of taking over the land and trusting God and letting God be the God of Israel. The sermons unfold like this. It's, it's really, uh, here's kind of a brief uh, 
Um, I'm not ready yet for that. Um, but here's kind of a, um, how they kind of unfold. If you kind of look at the first four chapters, it's really about the saving acts of God, where, where, where Moses goes into detail and talks about how God has generously saved Israel. So that's one thing. And then you have chapter 5 through all the way through 28. It, that's really the bulk of the book. And, and that's really about the significance of the law. Um, it really emphasizes what Israel is supposed to do in keeping the law. Then you have chapters 29 and 30, and that's really a summary of the covenant relationship with God, the covenant demands. It's a summary. And so saving acts, law, summary. And then the last two chapters are really just a, a rehearsal of um, Moses and his death. But what I really want you to see, and I hope that this, this isn't too, too deep this morning, because I, I just think that this is such an incredible thing to see when you look at Deuteronomy. What I want you to see is this. The first three chapters, I want you to see this structure, if you would. The first three chapters is really a look backward. It's really what it is. This is what has happened in Israel, and, and, and that's what that's about. But then the next, chapters 4 through 11, what we really have is we got Moses, and he is, he is urging the people. He's, he's exhorting them. He's encouraging them strongly, however you want to say that, to, to, to keep the law. And then next, chapters 12 through 26, we have the stipulations of the law. The stipulations are the, are the, this is what this, the law, God's law requires. And then following that you have the covenant ceremony. The covenant ceremony is, 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 is really where, where Israel, it's, it's found in chapters 27 through 30, but it's really where Israel says, yeah, we agree to that. But actually, it was a little bit more dramatic than that. If you can kind of picture a valley, on one side of the valley is the priests, and on the other side of the valley are the Israelites, and it's just kind of like one, the, the priests say something, and then there's a response. It's this antiphonal response. So it's, you know, we've had, we do some of that stuff in church, some, or we've done it before in church. But you have the, the priests saying, you know, um, um, they would read the law, and then you'd have this, we agree with that, or amen. And, and they did that with blessings and cursings. Uh, you know, if they, they'd shout out and they'd say, if you don't keep this covenant, these are the bad things that are going to happen to you. Amen. These are the good things that are going to happen to you if you keep the covenant. Amen. And you had this back and forth as they did that. It's just an incredible thing. But then you have the last four chapters, which are a look forward. And I'll stand out of the way and you can kind of see something. I, I wanted you to see this in terms of the structure, this is something that Deuteronomy does, is it leads you to the focus, the central focus. Do you see kind of the V or sideways V or half of an X? It leads you to the central focus of the book. It really leads you to that. It's, it's, it's uh, and, and so it's, I think it's so important to visually kind of see that and what's most important, though, as you see, is the stipulations of the law or the keeping of the law. That's the focus. Deuteronomy is so rich in theology. I'm just going to tell you a little bit about what it says. We're, we're just going it, it to... Just, it's just such a... If you really want to get to know God, 
Read this book. Watch, watch, go, go through this book and look for some certain features. And, and here's some of them. God is one. We've heard that, right? God is one. It's the Shema. It's the statement that every Jewish person said every day when he got up in the morning. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. God is one. In the book of Deuteronomy, God is knowable. He's knowable. You contrast that with all of the nation, other nations around them, they're, they're God's little g's. God is knowable. We can get acquainted with Him. We can know Him. God is spiritual. Another, he, he doesn't have a body. He's a, he's a God that controls both nation, all, all, the nations and history. He provides an ordered and a very happy life. God in the book of Deuteronomy is given lots of human features. For example, God has, he's talked about as having hands and arm. He has a mouth. He has face. He has fingers. He has eyes and the fancy word for that, and it's not a biblical word, but the fancy word for that is anthropomorphism. Anthropomorphism. It's when you give God human features so that you kind of have a sense of who He is. That's really what it is. In the book of Deuteronomy, God, He walks, He, he writes, He rides. God in the book of Deuteronomy is imminent meaning that He's close. He's transcendent, meaning that He is above all. He is unique, meaning that He is the only one, the only one that, is who, that, that there is. He is without material form. He does not have a body. He is sovereign. He is eternal. He is Father. In the book of Deuteronomy, God is gracious and He is loving and He is righteous and He is merciful and He is powerful and He is glorious and He is holy and He is faithful. He is upright. In the book of Deuteronomy, there are some key themes that just keep on recurring, one of them being the obedience of God's people. That word obey or listen or hear occurs dozens of times throughout this book. Here, one of them we just already said, hear, O Israel. But fear and, and reverence of, of God, standing in awe of Him, love of God as well as love of neighbor, and the presence of Yahweh. Yahweh. Which in Deuteronomy is primarily focused around the land. Now, listen really closely to what I'm going to say here, because this is really important for the 20th, 21st century. In Deuteronomy, the presence of Yahweh is primarily focused around the land. The word land occurs many, 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 over and over and over and over throughout the book of John. It, it's all about property. I mean, you're going to cross over the Jordan. You're going to take this land. This land represents who you are. I'm giving this land to you. So here's what I want you to hear. That is going to change. And you, when you get to, if you were to take a look at, at the book of 1 Kings, that really actually shifts when it starts talking about David. And all of a sudden you begin to lose sight of the land and you start talking about the kingdom. 
So somebody say land. land. Say kingdom. kingdom. Stop talking about land. Start talking about kingdom. See, that is so important to understand. Now, some of you guys who are, 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 are people who are really interested in, in world history and all that kind of stuff, here's why this is important to understand. In the 21st, in the 21st century, there's a big mistake that is made thinking that the land of Israel is what's important. It's not the land that's important. It's the kingdom that is important. And Israel takes a while. They take this long time to understand that. And so I see the significance of, of Deuteronomy. It's, it's really where it's quoted or it's cited or referred to 356 times in the rest of the Old Testament. The prophets, the historians, they go back to this story of Israel going into the promised land, keeping the law, and that becomes the key focus. It is quoted 80 different times in 17 different New Testament books, by the way, including some that I think you would recognize. For example, Matthew chapter 4, Jesus in the, in the wilderness uh, being tempted by the devil. And do you remember what he says? Jesus says, after each time he's being tempted, he says, it is written. And every time that he says it is written, he quotes from the book of Deuteronomy in his attempt to defeat Satan. But the fundamental, the most fundamental principle that you want to catch in the book of Deuteronomy, I believe, is that God never gives up on his people. He never gives up. That is in essence, the story of Deuteronomy. Israel comes to the banks of the Jordan. Moses is not allowed to cross over because of his, of, of his, his um, own disobedience. An entire generation of people has died because of their disobedience, and yet here we are on the banks of this river ready to cross. The, the message of Deuteronomy is this very simple message. God never gives up on His people. Never. Some of you, anybody ever seen the movie Sea Biscuit? Carol has. I know Carol has. She's a big horse person. Um, came out, I think, in 2003 based on a 1930s true story of an old beat-up horse that didn't look like a racehorse. It was actually de destined to be shot because it had some leg injuries. And there was a, a w very wealthy man named Charles Howard. He was the horse's owner. He hired an old, broken-down, unemployed cowboy by the name of Tom Smith to be the trainer. Well, when they discovered that the horse had virtually no chance of running, Howard was going to put him down. And the trainer, Tom Smith, he said this. He said, you don't throw a whole life away just because it gets banged up a little bit. Well, if you saw the movie, or if you know the story, he goes on to become one of the most famous racehorses in American history, virtually winning every race that he ran. The unusual part of that story is that Tom, the trainer, remember what he said? You don't throw away a, a whole life away because, just because it's banged up a bit. Tom, the trainer, he hires this second-rate jockey by the name of Red Pollard. He's too big to be a jockey, by the way. He's, and in one of the races where he ends up losing the race, um, the uh, he's, he's ready to fire him because of his incompetence when he discovers that the problem that he has is that he's blind in one eye. 
And so you've got a jockey that's too big, blind in one eye, and Smith is ready to fire him. And the rich man, the owner of the horse, Charles Howard, he says this, you don't throw away a whole life just because it's banged up a bit. That's the story of Deuteronomy. In fact, that is God's story. It's the story that we've been talking about from Genesis, uh, uh, all, all the way from Genesis on. You don't throw a life, a whole life away just because it's banged up a bit. It's called second chances. It's called grace. It's called God. I, I read a story here recently. Uh, here recently, I, I don't remember what, what I was on. I was in one of the posts that I read and it was about a pastor who had this family in his church, and, and, and um, they had a, this family had a nice house. They had some good kids, good job. Um, the wife had some, some real emotional issues and would occasionally steal from her family, and she would gamble the money away. Went to a number of doctors, went to counselors, pastors, but, but never could find permanent help. She'd get better for a while, and then after a while, she'd begin to steal from her family again. But every time that she stole from her husband, nearly ruined his future, he forgave her and took her back. Stayed married. And, and the pastor um, said at one point, he asked this question, he asked his husband, why did you, why did, why did you stay married? in spite of the pressure that he had from family even and friends all around him. But this is what he said. She's a good mother most of the time, and my children need her. But more than that, they need to know the love of their God. How can they know of a father in heaven who forgives them if their own father won't forgive their mother? That is Deuteronomy. That is grace. The God of second chances. The God who never gives up. That is God's story. I created you. I gave you absolutely everything that you could ever possibly want. I blessed you with this marvelous world and you messed it up. And yet here we are, we're standing on the banks of the Jordan River, ready to walk over into a land because God never gives up on his people. Now, that, that doesn't mean that, that there aren't consequences to our actions, right? I mean, we already know, be, because Moses, he, he finds himself on the top of this mountain, and he's looking across the, 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 uh, across the valley, and he's seeing Jericho and the land that they're going to they're gonna do, and, he, and yet he, it's this land that God's planning on giving, and yet Moses can't go in because, because he, he himself had failed God. And he wasn't allowed to go in because he didn't demonstrate trust in striking the rock rather than speaking to the rock. Sometimes there's consequences to our actions. But what, so it doesn't mean that there's not consequences, but what it does mean is that God never gives up. He never lets go because he's a God of second chances. It, it, it's mirrored, I think, in a story that comes out of the inventor Thomas Edison, and in the days of the light bulbs, which we take for granted, I think, these days, you know, it takes literally, it, or it took, it, it used to take literally hundreds of hours to make one light bulb in the lab. 
And after having done that, it was time for this particular light bulb to be brought up to the testing lab on the, on the floor above them, directly above them. And Edison handed it to a young boy who worked in the lab and asked him to just take it up there you know, for the testing. And the young boy turned around and tripped and dropped the light bulb and you know, dropped it, it bust. And Edison turned to him and slapped, no, he didn't do that. He turned to, he turned to his employees and he said, make another light bulb. It took several days for that to happen, and when the light bulb was made, he called the boy back, and he said, here, take this upstairs to the lab to be tested. It's the God of second chances. That is the story that we've been trying to tell, that you and I, we serve this God who believes in second chances, who isn't afraid to take things that, that have happened to us or that we've done, and, and just to kind of turn those things into something that, that can be useful for him and can bring him honor and can bring him glory, right? God is a God who believes in you. God is a God who believes in me, and he loves us, and he never gives up on us. That is really the story. It's the story. It's the greatest thing that we, and we, we get to tell that to people. That's the story. So here's what I encourage you to do. I hope that you'll do this. I want to encourage you. I'm not going to make you raise your hand or anything else, but here's what I want to ask you to do when you go home today. I want to ask you to just take out the book, take some time individually, maybe take out Deuteronomy, look through some of that, but that's not what, th that would be good. But I want you to take some time individually or, or take some time as a family or take some time as a couple to pray, that's number one, to think, contemplate, meditate, however you want to say that. And to be thankful to God for the second chances that he's created in your lives. How many of you have been given a second chance? Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for second chances. We, and you know that we need them. And I know that there's days that I, I mess up, and I know that there's days that we all do. Oh, just thank you, God, for your grace. Thank you for your wonderful grace, for loving us even when we've messed it up. We give you honor and glory today in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm -hmm.